So I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson the other day, and he's a great philosophical mind. He is. Uh, love his book, uh, Maps of Meaning, and his new one, 12 Rules for uh, Better Life. Regardless, he has this great idea when it comes to uh, actually the book of Genesis, which uh, for those who don't know is one of the very first books in the Bible that talks about the creation of the earth. And now fundamentalists have ruined this for everyone. I'm talking about the people who actually believe that the world is 6,000 years old and you know those kind of the the straw man questions that people like Stephen King used to denounce the whole religion. Those kinds of people. I met some when I was in Kentucky. You know, kind of not, not always great. But Genesis itself, when you study it and you look at what it's saying, doesn't of course go against science. Um, if you don't take each word literally, if you take it as it was intended in story to really help, help get to the root of what it means to be human and to have consciousness. Regardless, the idea really comes out that there is a truth out there. There is something that is, and we've talked about this, there is something in the world that regardless of opinion is right or wrong facts, truths, we have these with statistics. Nobody can argue against numbers. You can make numbers say anything, but nobody can argue against the numbers themselves. They either are or they are not. And on a, on, on a tangent here, mathematics and science are really a necessity to go along with uh, religion, in my view, because we were given a mind and the ability to understand the world not only understand but interpret it and you can't understand or interpret the world if you don't know how to do that and that's what mathematics is the logical way of determining things like uh, uh, gravity gravity has its own mathematical equation that must be written exactly as it's written it cannot be changed that is the mathematical equation for gravity therefore it is the logical way of viewing the world and that is removed from morals and ethics and all of that stuff it is just as it is now here's here's how it gets and we'll boil this all the way back down to the crime of the century but I need to give you the same base I need to level the playing field so that you know where I'm coming from and one of the things about Genesis is when God creates for all the things that he creates and all the things that he does at the end of every line every verse it says and it was good does that mean that God himself is good and therefore each and everything he creates is good probably you know uh, we cannot comprehend what it would be to be to have that level of, of consciousness but I think it goes a little farther than that and really and, and Peterson did a great job of explaining this when it comes down to it that if you approach anything any problem any complexity in the world with the idea of doing good then whatever you create as long as so long as it's in line with natural law anything that you create is good and that and that alone is shows what it really means to uh, to be human and why 
if you're going to boil it down, start start taking it down to the crime of the century and in the direction I want to take this. That's why capitalism works so so much better. Because if you create something that is not good or has the intention of robbing or the intention of stealing, it doesn't last. Bernie Madoff's in prison. Many con men before him and snake oil salesmen are hanged at, at, uh, by the gallows in Phoenix in the Old West or they're in the grave somewhere. None of them lasted. And you look at some of the greatness that has come out of this country, uh, be it in, the, in private enterprise or be it even with some of our philosophers where they would approach an issue in the world simply with the idea that they're going to correct it and they're going to correct it because they see how many people either suffer with it or how many people cannot overcome that complexity. And then they solve that complexity, they make it, they bridge the gap between the problem and the solution and they're rewarded greatly because what they did was good. So this flies right in the face of Marxism which says everything is bad, all humans are bad, and the way to solve this is to take a small group of humans and make them have absolute power. Doesn't really make sense, but what I realized though in the practical sense, what this has been created, and we'll get, we're getting closer to the crime of the century, but in the practical sense, what this creates and what it's, what it's done to our culture is create this idea that the poorer you are, the more virtuous you are. Because the Marxist view of the world is that everything is based on power. Whatever system that has been developed, uh, if somebody sits at the top, they stole, that they uh, used brute force, whatever they did, it's based on power. Now that's not true, and we can use scientific facts and evidence to, to debunk that, but that's not what we're here for. What this creates in culture is that the poorer you are, you can see this even with identity politics and the left ranking people based off skin color and age and what they perceive to be as more oppressed than another. That the poorer you are, financially especially, uh, the more virtuous you're perceived to be, especially in our, in our new culture. But what I love about the founding of America is that not only we recognize that the inherent freedom of man and the, the sovereignty of the individual, but the opportunities really that are presented by the, the, the bountifulness of the land itself. And it's not really stated in the Bill of Rights or, or a topic among philosophers, but I, I do believe that true freedom begins with financial freedom. This is a lot what we've talked about by bridging that gap and the ability to create. And this is why free enterprise is so essential to a strong economy is the ability to create something with the mindset that you're going to solve or fix a problem then creates massive amounts of wealth, pushes many people forward and really helps people climb up that social ladder. It, it helps the mobility uh, of a society and, and no, uh, people have forgotten how mobile we are, how quickly people can rise and fall in our society. You don't have uh, the caste system that you have in India and you don't have the, the rigid structures of, of medieval Europe. The issue really though is that we have started more and more to see ourselves in certain identities and groups and I think it comes, part of that comes from 
the universities. And I do think, and, I, and I've stated this in the crime of the century, that a lot of the issues in America, political, social, economic, could all be solved by simply retooling what the universities are saying. Because they are inherently anti-American because they're pro-Marxist and I firmly believe that no socialist can be an American because they are conflicting ideologies. You're one or you're the other. You're either on our team and you're part of this great American experiment where the individual is sovereign and free or you're a tyrannical socialist who thinks that people like me are too stupid to understand anything. The idea, the, the, these ideas though are promulgated by the universities and everything that professors teach in universities and we see this throughout history. There are, are, are numerical examples, especially from uh, in the Christian world. Uh, Martin Luther was a was studying uh, to become, you know, a monk. He was going to be part of the Catholic faith and what would be the equivalent of the university. And he ends up starting a whole new uh, sect of Christianity. Starts off countless wars in the 15 and 1600s. There are great effects to ideas. We this was a podcast a couple episodes ago called "Ideas Have Consequences" because they do. They have real world consequences. The idea, though, that you're virtuous just because you're on a lower strata is silly because if the individual is sovereign, if you understand that, if you truly understand that, that people, so long as they're given a equal opportunity at the start, people can finish wherever they, 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 they please because of no one's going to put in the same effort as the, as the other. Some people are going to go to 11, some people are going to take it out of 1. And so to think that a group just because they are something, just because you can fit them in a box, is another thing that you can attribute an adjective or attribute a existential adjective like virtuous to that group is is absurd. And what it comes back to, some of it, and another way to explain this, and actually um, Ben Shapiro was talking about this, and uh, he was talking about something that, that Aristotle had mentioned where uh, if you, if there's a vase um, and the parent is trying to teach the child not to knock the vase off, off the table and the idea is not that the vase is simply an object and the rules that are created, the rules don't knock the vase over, you know, don't run in the house, all those rules that come from it, that those rules are independent of the vase, that they're humanly constructed. The argument that, that someone that uh, in that Aristotelian line of thought would argue that, that those morals, those ideas are embedded in the universe and within that object, that, that vase. And this can also really be seen in uh, the Bible when you look at universities versus religion because that's what it is. It's universities versus religion at this point. And they have decided that we know better than the universe. We know better how to run certain groups. So what we're going to do is we're going to put people into certain groups. We're going to attribute 
virtuous or wickedness to these groups and then we're going to have all these groups fight each other and whoever wins wins. Well first of all that's never worked. You can look at the Soviet Union or any other communist nation that doesn't work. It devolves into tyranny and it ends up with millions dead at the end because again everybody's fighting, everybody's jealous. It's a horrible miserable system to be part of and it comes from separating humans from the universe, that we are somehow better than natural law, not subject, uh, subjected to it. We can question it, and I think we ought to question it, but, and quantify it no less, but to think that we are somehow better than natural law, we're better than God, is, is, is silly, and I think the universe has the power to destroy anything that we create that attempts to usurp the power of, of natural law. Now you look at our society now and it's nothing but do what feels right. Everything's based off feeling. That's not necessarily a good thing because feelings will feelings most of the time will get you in a bad spot. They're temporary, they're, they're, they're very primal animal-like. You don't, if you don't take the time to separate emotion from rational thought, then you can run into some serious issues. But what scares me is we have universities, you know, microaggressions and PC culture that pushes the, if you feel a certain way, then that feeling must be right. If you feel scared by something, then that thing must be evil even if that is a rational viewpoint that ought to be discussed, you know, if a conservative goes on campus or something like that, sure, they're going to offend people on the other side. I get offended by leftists every day, but I, you know, I complain about it on, the, on camera, but I don't complain about it to them. Regardless, you don't have the right to shut them down, regardless of viewpoint, just because it makes you feel scared. And if you're rational and hardened in your own beliefs, you would realize that, but that's not where our society is going. We've been twisted and pushed into a emotion first, thought second philosophy that really doesn't reward anything. It kind of leaves us, and this gets back to Peterson's argument in uh, 12 Rules for Life, that it leaves us without real meaning because we're all so animalistic and just getting the next thing that makes us feel good for two seconds, and then we're on to the next one. What do you get out of that? There's no... I will never, I will always be eternally grateful and hopeful because my own philosophy is so rooted in the Judeo-Christian heritage. My own philosophy is rooted enough in the way that I see the universe that I'll, I will never question that. And it doesn't matter how bad things get. But if I didn't have that and everything was based off emotion, I would think that every bad thing that happens is going to last forever but everything will come to pass. So you look at a lot of the issues that we're facing in society and, and, and some of them come from the university, most of them come from university which then gets into government and affects policy and affects the way that mo most of us see the world, affects the, the thinkers, the people who are supposed to be leading this nation. And when you, when you deconstruct it and have everything based on emotion, you can't even have capitalism, which we were talking about in the middle of this podcast, that 
itself, capitalism is virtuous simply because you can create and if you create for good, there's nothing that's going to stop you from receiving what, what's yours here. And that gets back to what we were talking at the beginning with you have to be good in your intention and when you start to have good in your outcomes. But the fact that we've forgotten that is part of the great crime of the century.